want to say thanks for having me. I feel really privileged uh, to be part of this group. Um, I want to put everything in in the next 15 minutes and hopefully share in a way that's going to give you something tangible and beneficial that you're going to walk away with and implement. I hope there's some lessons from my story that you can resonate with. But the first thing I want to say is uh, congratulations to you guys. Because uh, as an entrepreneur, it takes a lot of guts. Uh, we love being occupied. We love just being busy. And it's easy as creatures of habit to keep those things going. We're all creatures of habit. You know, in the morning when I get up, I'll put my right sock on first. If I want to put on my left sock first, I've got to make a conscious decision. So right now you're making conscious decisions to um, push forward on what you believe is a God-given mandate for your life. And that takes a lot of courage. Um, even if there's, uh, forget about all the financial risk, the, when you put hope in vision and hope for something in the future, that means you've got to be prepared for disappointment and that takes a lot of guts. So firstly, I want to say uh, good on you guys. Um, I've been asked to share on uh, three things similar to Karen, a little bit uh, about my sp story, number one, two, how my faith integrates with that and, and thirdly, what are some of the challenges I've found and experiences I've had and I want to focus the um, predominantly on that last piece. So firstly, a little bit about me. Uh, pretty typical type of uh, uni graduate story. Did my uh, undergraduate and postgraduate in business. Uh, worked in corporate, uh, predominantly in the IT sector. And was very fortunate at a young age, um, you know, through company growth and company changes to be, um, you know, in, in a great role, uh, reporting to the Australian CEO of a US $50 billion company. So here I was in my mid-twenties reporting to the CEO and I'm like, that's my next role. But I'm going to be here for the next 20 years before I'm going to get that role. Um, and I've always had that desire to do something and to start something on my own. Um, and I began voicing that out with friends and family, going, you know, I'm thinking about doing a business. Um, and this is all coming into that year 2000, if you remember, that was a dot-com crash. So not a good time to be thinking about starting an IT business in the year 2000. Um, and the overwhelming message that I got from friends and family was, don't. It was play safe. It was, and if I could uh, um, imitate my mother and father, son, what are you thinking? You've got a good job. You report to CEO, big company, good job, go pay what you're doing. Uh, you just stay work hard there for 30 years. Uh, and then it'll be okay. Um, but that, it was with me and I was wrestling with that and you're trying to get to know yourself and am I crazy thinking about what I'm going to do. And one morning I woke up and with clarity I just knew it was the day. Uh, so I, I drove to work and from the car park I called my dad and I said, Dad, I'm resigning today. And uh, he said, um, we just want you to know my, your mother and I have talked and we support you 100%, um, and uh, we're going to give you, they gave me a sum of money that I wasn't expecting to help, uh, help me in those early days. Because what my parents wanted to know is that um, I was making my decision, but once I made my decision, they were backing me 100%. Um, so there it was, the business started. I used to go to work in my pajamas. I used to complain that in my old job, I never had uh, an opportunity for strategy. I was so busy doing the do, suddenly had all the time for strategy going to work in my pyjamas and finding I'd fall asleep a lot, funnily enough. So then I tried to improve that and I'd get dressed in a suit to go to work, to work from my sister's bedroom. And then eventually we got employees and those staff used to come to work and have to take their shoes off the door and walk up the stairs so they wouldn't um, 
dirty the carpet. I don't know if you've heard the saying tiger mums, um, but Asian mums, you do not want to dirty their carpet. Um, and then number two, I guess, in those early days, it was true at times, my mother and father used to cook uh, lunch um, for, the, for the staff. So you'd be working away and the dinner bell would ring and we'd come down and have lunch. So from those days in 2000 to now, um, the business I'm in is called Cavalry. We're a uh, managed cloud business. Um, we're a multi-million dollar organisation um, that's growing fast. Uh, three out of the last four years we've been in uh, one of the fastest 50 growing tech companies in Australia. Uh, two out of the last three years we've been nominated for IT Partner of the Year. We've done two submissions to the MSP 501, which tracks the top 500 managed service firms globally. And most recently, we featured in the top 200. And last year, EY, Ernst & Young, interviewed us for the Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. So it's gone from these really early days and 15 years to be an overnight success. Um, and it feels very odd to be in some ways starting to share that story, because in, men, in many ways, your vision's always bigger than your reality, and we, we don't feel successful. And in one sense, I never want to feel successful. Uh, in one sense, I always want to have a sense of peace, but a sense of impatience in terms of what I believe the vision is ahead for my life. Um, so that's a little bit about the, um, me and, and the context. And I guess that story, it, it's, it's, it's life. Life is messy. Life is never neat. Life never operates in, in boxes. Um, I love the story about Nehemiah and the Bible, and they're trying to build the temple. And it's literally, they say, they've got one hand on the shovel, trying to build the foundations, and they've got one hand on the spear. And I think that was a great um, analogy to think about when you think about um, models, is that you know, you're gonna be busy doing your do as people, and at the same time, you're gonna to have to have the shovel out and start building the foundation at the same time. You're not gonna have the luxury of going, I need to work on process and procedures, customers stop calling me. You know, schools function great with those students, and businesses are fantastic with our customers. Um, so they're messy. Uh, second part is, how does my faith integrate with my work? And I find it in one sense an unusual question. I know where we're going with that and I'll talk about that, but I just want to uh, lay some ground. Um, for me, it's not work life, family life, play life, it's life. Uh, we've been given one God-given life and in that one life we work and play and do a whole bunch of things. The reason I make that distinction is the thing that follows you most around in life is you. Everywhere I am, whether I'm working, living or playing, I turn around and I'm there. So unless I'm going to have the courage to address some of the things I need to address in a family situation, it's going to play at my work. If I'm proud at work, I'm going to be proud at home. I'm going to be proud with customers. I'm going to be proud in a whole bunch of ways. If I'm fearful of addressing conflict in a personal situation, I'm going to be fearful of addressing conflict with suppliers, customers, employees or staff. Um, so I think that's a, a distinction I make. And obviously part of that is, you know, who Jesus is in your life is going to be around with you. So can I tell you amazing stories of divine appointment and wisdom and God working through amazing situations at work? Absolutely. But it's that same character of that relationship that I can tell you those same stories exist, whether that be through church or family as well. Um, having said that, what I am absolutely passionate about is that I want to help entrepreneurs become more successful. Um, and certainly by success, I'm talking about um, a legacy outward focus vision uh, bigger than yourselves. Um, and one of the other um, organisations I've recently founded is uh, called 100X. And 100X is uh, really based on the, uh, on, the, on the parable of, the, of talents. 
you know, that God has specifically invested resources into you that he wants a return on. And it's not good enough to be really strong and really careful about burying those talents and returning that same amount. God wants a return. And so in 100x, what I want to do is encourage entrepreneurs to live in such a way where they're going to provide 100 times return on the resources that have been given to them by God. And practically how that translates for me is there's um, obviously mentoring and coaching that I'm involved in. Um, and we're, we're hosting a, uh, what we call the 100x Business Unconvention in Queenstown, New Zealand next year, August 2016. So if you want to speak to me about any of those things, please do. Um, so um, that's a little bit of me about faith and work. Um, then well, what I want to spend a bit of the time on is I guess some of the lessons that I've learnt and hopefully that they're translatable to you in your specific context. I'm going to talk about four things. Um, the thing that I learned um, about my business is the critical importance of having vision. Now that sounds cliche, but we know the passage that without vision, the people cast off restraint. And if you think about that, when was the last time you heard the word vision and restraint together? You know, we often think vision is about, yeah, casting free all those other things and going for something else. But when did you hear the word vision and restraint together? The whole thing about vision, the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. And if you have a clear picture of your vision, then you have the ability to restrain the good to go for the great. Because everything that takes you away from your vision is a distraction. That vision that you have for your venture and your business is going to directly dictate the decisions that you make today. If your vision is to take your venture and target a local community, geographic community, brilliant. That's your vision. The specific steps that, and decisions and the people that you're going to gather around you in your corner will be very different if your vision is to go global, long tail type of strategy. So your vision is absolutely critical. Another way I might put it, if I said, put your hand up if you thought $1,000 was a lot of money, a million dollars was a lot of money, a billion dollars was a lot of money. It's a bit of a trick question, right? Because that answer comes down to what's your vision? If your vision is how much money do I need to live for to sustain me and my family, for some a million dollars is a lot of money, for others it's not a lot. But if your vision is I want to rid the world of preventable deaths due to disease, then maybe a billion is not that much after all. Your vision is critical. Um, so yeah, have a vision and I think understand that as you have that vision, I'd probably say my second point which is be prepared to leave the tribe. Um, uh, if a vision is a picture for the future that is not today, and if we're living in the natural and we're occupied with, the t with, the, with today, then vision, right, the vision that you believe God's got you for your life, and if you ask yourself the question, what are you here for? Why are you here on earth? What is your God-given purpose? If you ask yourself that question and you get some clarity on that, then you needn't be surprised that your loved ones around you don't understand it because they're living a different life and because God's got a different calling for them and you need to be prepared to leave the tribe. Um, when I stepped out in the year 2000 to start my business, the vast majority were saying no. 
And I knew if the business was successful or if it was not, that everyone in retrospect would be an expert. Ah, oh, Fatty was always going to make it, smart guy, tenacious in the IT industry. That's what would have been the, the, the critics would have said if it succeeded. If it failed, those same people would have said, I knew he was never going to, starting it just after the dot com, who would do that? Right? You need to be prepared to leave the tribe. I'm not talking about getting people around you that will tell you what your itching ears will want to hear. But at this incubation stage, you're not ready to give birth, you're not ready to tell the world. Be very careful with that vision. And in fact, actually, you know, your mentors are there actually to critique. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about critique, I'm talking more about criticising and those types of things, right? So, you know, that Bible passage, words from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Yeah, be, a, be careful of the person that flatters. Have a small select group of people around you that will lovingly wound you. Absolutely but understand you've got to leave the tribe if you're going to be changing things. Uh, number three, uh, I want to talk about the importance of model versus mindset. So number one, I talked about vision. The importance of having vision. The importance of having a particular mindset. The importance of addressing those self-limiting beliefs that we have. When we've got them all, we're all insecure. We all look a little bit funny naked. Except me, because I'm the hot Asian. You know? <laughs> But you've got that mindset, but ultimately you're going to have to work on the model. That model could be a whole bunch of things that you're working through here and um, um, how you do your strategic one-page plan, how to review your cash flow, your P&L, all those types of things. If I was to ask a quick question to the group and say, what profession in the world are the most trained? What, what profession has to stay the most certified, uh, do the most training in order to maintain their certifications? do the most hours and testing to keep qualified. Does anyone have a guess what that Airline profession pilot. would be? Boom! Airline pilots. Smart people that have to work hard to get certified to be a pilot, but to maintain their pilot's licence, they have to under undergo the most professional training and development than any organisation in the world. Okay? Every time I get on a plane, I am so thankful that those smart, well-trained people aren't relying on mindset. I am so thankful that those people are using model. There's a captain and a co-pilot and they're going through a checklist. As you build your business, you're going to need processes. You're going to need rhythms. Because you don't want to spend your creative energy reworking something that was done yesterday. And those models don't have to be complicated. It's called a paper and a pen. And I'm doing it for the first time and I write it down. And then I go, okay, that'll do. And I take a photo of it. And I just store it, process to create server. And then the second time, I pull up that photo and I print it and I add to it. It can be as simple as that. You want to use your creative mind to use it to ask questions of possibility like, how can I provide a better service to my client? How can I engage my team more so that we're greater aligned and we're moving to the common vision? I think that's a massive thing that model and mindset go together. And the final thing I want to talk about um, is understand the difference between information and transformation. If you want information, there's a great doctor in the world and it's called Dr. Google. Um, and you'll probably find that um, often in life we're seeking information. We've got a problem 
and I'm going to speak to someone and they're going to give me information and they're going to help me with my problem. I don't think, whilst that I'm all for information and learning, you know, just a side note, we've got a budget in our household. There's two things in our family that we don't budget for. You're allowed to buy as much as you want. One is books and the second is lingerie. That's true. <laughs> My two passions in life. Um, but yeah, certainly I'm all for learning. I'm all for uh, information. But the importance of transformation. We all know what we need to do to be healthy. We all know what we need to do to... Um, do a whole bunch of things, but what, how it, why is it not transformative in our day-to-day -day life? Um, so one of my favourite sayings that I talk about is start small, start now, stay in rhythm. And, you know, Mark talked a little bit about it in the MVP stuff in terms of multiple rapid iterations. Start small, start now, stay in rhythm. There's a start small, don't get overcomplicated. Here's a piece of paper and a pen. You can use this app and it can fake, you can, you know, mock up what the app is. Do lots of small iterations and, and get it. But there's a rhythm. Put it out there, fail fast. All those links, right? Success leaves clues. And all these things that you've heard from all, um, everybody here tonight, they all, they're all sounding a little bit linked, right? It's not sounding like one person's just speaking from an island and it's totally not connected somewhere. Uh, so understand the difference between information and transformation. So practical examples. We've got guys that come into our business and mentor us. Um, some could be in a position of chairperson, some could be in a position of sales consultant or whatever it might be. Now, in the early days when we were working with them, there was a lot of information. There were a lot of aha moments like, oh, that's how you do that. As we've grown and matured, there's less information aha moments. But why are they still there? Like my dad, he still comes to me and goes, do you still have Jeff as your chairman? Oh, yeah. How much do you pay him? You pay him all that money to sit down once a quarter with you and what's he do? Is he really giving you value? And it's because dad's mind as an engineer is, what information are you going to get from that guy? No, I, he's not there for information. He's there for transformation. That every 90 days that we've got to communicate what our next 90 day plan is. And that's down in writing. And then in 90 days time, We've got to complete a board report and we've got to talk about how do we go on those 90 days. And it forces us when we're busy working the business, doing the do to stop and not just work in the business, work on the business, Gerber, E-Myth, and, and to force ourselves to go, okay, let's ask these important but not urgent questions that need to be asked in the business. But he helps us stay in a rhythm, start small, start now, staying in rhythm and put some transformative change. Okay, you guys are going to go through this fantastic process here and you are going to walk out of this end of this program and go, I can take on the world. I have a God-given vision. If God is for me, who's going to be against me? I've got these great guys in my ring that are helping me. I can, I can change the world. I can take my app, take my product, take my venture, and I'm going to leave. I'm going to help create this world to be a better place. You are going to be inspired. That is awesome. Right? What are you going to do to stay in rhythm on the plan that you've written. And I would actively seek you to seek some sort of transformative rhythm and relationship to keep it going. Otherwise, you'll be inspired. But if you're not careful, you go, what was that business plan again? Yeah, so a lot there to digest and I just wanted to wrap